Good morning to all of you. It's a blessing to be with God's people. I love hearing these testimonies of God at work and the faith, the, the prayers of faith are just wonderful to be able to share that and just to see God at work. And it is good to see the young people back too and thank you for, their, for your greetings from Arizona. I did notice a few yawns, I thought. And you don't usually see that in the young people. So, uh, but thank you for being here today. Uh, if you were paying attention to the uh, singing time, you probably picked up on the theme for the message if you were paying attention. So, uh, my message this morning is uh, walking in the light of God. If you have your Bibles, uh, it, turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Thank you, Merlin, for leading those songs this morning. Love to see the light of Jesus shine in our hearts and in our world today. Luke chapter 11, I'm going to be reading from uh, verses 33 to 36. Jesus speaking here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are bad, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be completely lighted as when the light of a lamp shines on you. I'm sure you noticed here too that Jesus is using the theme of light. And if you know your Bibles, you know that uh, the subject of light is a, is a very dominant theme and Jesus is using that here in this passage. On the, you remember the first day of creation that Everything was dark on the face of the deep, and the second day of, or the first day of creation, uh, God said, let there be light. right, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning the first day. So we see right away that one of the, the main governing uh, things in this world is darkness and light. So that one part of the globe is always in the light and one part is in darkness. So light and darkness become a tremendous uh, tool for teaching spiritual truth. The simple idea behind this is that light reveals and darkness conceals. You probably know and figured this out. Why do uh, crooks like to operate in, in at night? Well, it's pretty simple, isn't it? They like to they like the darkness. Fairly obvious. Um, a couple of years ago, we had uh, during the night we had somebody break into our garage. Some of you know this story, but they were uh, attempting to hotwire uh, the pickup. And I heard a noise out there, and I opened the garage door and snapped on the light. 
and the guy was gone just like that. He took off. Well, he didn't, uh, he didn't like the light. He didn't want to be in the light. It always scared me pretty badly, but anyway, the light scared him, I guess, <laughs> and he ran. But he was caught later, thank, thankfully for that. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, this is the verdict. Light, and he's speaking of himself here, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. That's why one of the the best deterrence for crime, and even crooks will tell you this, the best deterrence for crime is light, right? Mo uh, yard lights and motion sensor lights, uh, it, it, when the motion sensor light comes on, they tend to think somebody's watching. <laughs> and whether there is or not, but actually someone is watching, regardless. Uh, they are seen regardless. The one who sees everything is not obstructed by the darkness or where we think we're hiding. Ephesians 5 verse 13, everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. So I want to ask us today, am I walking in spiritual light? Or am I walking in spiritual darkness? What does walking in the light mean? Simple definition, I guess, would be that it simply means to know and to follow Jesus and to walk in his presence uh, through the power of the Spirit, just knowing that Jesus is with me and his light is shining on me. And I hope that's what we are experiencing. But the question for us, I want to ponder us to ponder today is, is his light shining in my heart, in your heart? And just how would that look? What does that mean? And I want to get to a little bit of just some practical things in that. In verse 33 here in our text, Jesus said, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on a, its stand so those who come in may see the light. The uh, language or the, the idea of a lamp is a little bit uh, strange for us in, this, uh, in our culture, in our day, uh, because when we go into a dark room, we're just used to hitting the switch, right? And the light comes on. We don't, this thing of using a lighting a lamp doesn't really uh, maybe connect with us too well. But I have to think of times when uh, there's a power outage, and I don't like those times very well, but uh, then we look for a, uh, a lamp or a light or a candle or something that we put in the room somewhere, and uh, you try to put it in a place where it will spread out and do the most good so that you don't run into things, run into furniture, stub your toe, or whatever. Uh, but the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Jesus says that we as followers of Jesus are to be the light of the world. Through us as followers of Jesus, the true light, who is Jesus, will shine. 
The true light in whom there is no darkness must shine. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 1, verse 4, In him, that is Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. However, we look in this, the context of our passage here in the book of Luke. Uh, we see that when Jesus displayed his light to those who were listening to him, and in, in this setting it's the Pharisees, when he displayed his light, the religious people uh, did not accept it. Right before this, if you look ahead just a little bit in your Bibles, we see that uh, they were making this just a preposterous accusation that Jesus, when he was casting out demons, he was doing it in the power of Satan. And then they move on, and they, the next thing they do is they demand that Jesus needs to produce yet another sign. They haven't had enough miraculous signs. They need yet another sign. And then right after this, uh, this section that we just read, we see that the, the Pharisees are criticizing uh, his disciples for not washing their hands right before a meal. And I'd like to maybe for us to just look at that briefly, uh, reading, uh, beginning at verse 37, <clears throat> reading through 41. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with, with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. Then the Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and, and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. So here, I'm just using this to say that in their blind hypocrisy, uh, they did not see the true light that was shining right before their eyes. So Jesus is speaking to them here, I think, in this passage, and to us as well. In verse 34, Jesus says to them, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light. But when they are bad, your body is also full of darkness. Even like a, if you have a bad eye, you're going to be physically blind. <clears throat> In the same way that if, if we have a, a bad heart, we are spiritually blind. So here I think you know, we have to say that one would have to be spiritually blind to attribute that Jesus' miracles to Satan. But that's how the Pharisees looked at it. They, that's the way they spun it. And Jesus replied to them, so that, that would make no sense. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So that, that is irrational. Therefore, it can only be by the power of God that Jesus is, is casting out Satan. So how could they not see that? And how could they not see a lot of other things? How is it that people don't see things? They don't get it. We ask that question sometimes. Charles Spurgeon said that if the darkness comes from within a man, it doesn't matter how bright and glorious Jesus is, they can't see the light. They will not see the light. So we need to pray that the darkness be removed, right? It's not that people don't have enough light, it's that their hearts are full of darkness. 
The Pharisees here were, were just woefully blind to Jesus' teachings because they hated Jesus, really. They did not like how he pointed his finger at them and pointed out their, their sin and their self-righteousness, their, their hypocrisy, their false religion. Look back at verse 29. Uh, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, This is a wicked generation. Why? Because it asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus is saying, you've already had seen many miraculous signs, and you choose not to believe. The only other sign that will be given will be that of Jonah. Jonah, who was three days and three nights in the belly of this huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus is talking there about his own death, his burial and resurrection, which we just celebrated last Sunday. It seemed like a long time ago. Last Sunday we were celebrating the, you know, what is really the, the greatest underpinning of the Christian faith, the resurrection of Jesus. But even after Jesus rose from the dead, the Pharisees still denied it. And they tried to say that the, the, the uh, disciples stole the body. So Jesus is saying here to them, <clears throat> verse 36, If your whole body is full of light <clears throat> and no part of it is dark, it will be completely lighted as when the lamp of a light shines on you. And when I read this here in my Bible reading a couple of weeks ago, I thought, wow, that's something I'd just like to, to work on that. Think about What does it mean to have your whole body full of light? Do I have that inner light of Jesus shining in my heart, or is my heart full of darkness? If we have darkness, the reason we have darkness is because we are holding on to something, right? We're holding on, to, we're cherishing something that we're not willing to let go. And we end up being spiritually dark. Jesus, or 1 John 1 verse 5 says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. You think about that concept. We sang about that this morning, God being light. God is pure light. God is perfect. I don't know what all that means. God is perfectly holy. He is without blemish of any kind. And we see the glory of God reflected in the face of Jesus Christ as he brings this teaching to us. And he is an exact represent, uh, representation of God. In 1 Timothy 6, uh, 15, we have this, that God, the blessed and only ruler, King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. I'm so thankful that we have the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin that otherwise would hinder us from coming into to the presence of this perfect light of God. Someday, however, you know, if we are faithful and trusting Jesus, uh, we're going to get a new glorified body that will be in the literal presence of this perfect light of God. The glory of God. I, I don't know what all that's going to look like, but I'm looking forward to, to being in that light. 1 John 1, verse 6 and 7 reads, If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, 
we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him, with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That's where the blood of Jesus comes in to cleanse our hearts from all these things that would hinder that kind of fellowship. So what does Jesus mean when he says, the lamp of your body is your eye? Have you ever noticed uh, when you look into the eyes of a, of a child, maybe your children, and they can't look you in the eye? Why is that? Or maybe even an adult sometimes, they won't look you in the eye. Well, they're probably feeling guilty about something, right? We kind of get to know our children that way. When they won't look you in the eye, there's a reason for it. The eye is like a, a window to the, to the soul. If someone doesn't look you in the eye, I always get a little bit, I'm not sure what's going on, you know. Uh, but I ask myself, what do my eyes reveal? And what does my countenance reveal? The world's emphasis would be to, you know, fix it up to make it look good. But God's emphasis is, is on the inside, not on the outside. And that's what we as followers of Jesus need to be doing, working on what's on the inside, not necessarily what's on the outside. 1 Peter 3, verse 3 through 5, Your beauty should not come from the outside. Instead, from your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. You want to be beautiful? Make yourself beautiful from the inside. Our desire should be that our countenance, our countenance, whatever, our facial expression, uh, radiates the glory of God that comes from within. If you would uh, take your Bibles, I'd like to just quickly refer to another passage in First or Second Corinthians, uh, chapter three. This is a tremendous passage. I I love this passage. Second Corinthians three, beginning uh, beginning at verse seven. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with a surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory that, of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away." Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, 
There it is. When we turn to the Lord, the veil of darkness is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I hope that's your desire and mine, that this would be our, our testimony, that we are being transformed from within to radiate and represent the glory of God. We want people to be drawn to the true light of Jesus by the light that's shining through us, not drawn to, to me. Uh, a few years ago, uh, Elsie and I uh, were visiting, uh, well, along with Tim Weaver, we traveled to Mexico, and we stayed overnight in a, in a home there, and this was quite an interesting experience. It was a, a small home, packed full. There was, I forget how many children there were, were there, probably at least six or eight children, and besides, we were there. And it was just a home with, like, only one bedroom. I don't know where they put everybody. Uh, but they put us in the kitchen. And the kitchen had a, had a hide-a-bed that opened up. And when you opened up the hide-a-bed, it, filled, it almost filled the whole kitchen. And we were about this far away from the, I mean, the end of the bed was about this far away from the sink. And they told us that uh, the, the children have to get up early uh, to go to school. They got up like at, I forget, 5 o'clock, something like that. And they said, just pull the covers up over your head and just pretend we're not, we're not there. So that's what we did. But uh, we also knew, knew about cockroaches. And so we zipped our bags and everything up tight. Uh, but then during the night, I had to get up for some reason. Uh, and I turned on the light momentarily, and I saw on the walls and ceiling everywhere, there were just cockroaches and bugs crawling everywhere. Uh, but as soon as I turned on the light, they scrammed. You know, they went for cover. <laughs> and I, uh, I told Elsie, you don't want to know what I just saw. So, but the point about that is that the cockroaches left when you turn on the light, right? Uh, when the light came on, and if we, I want to apply that now to us, uh, when we allow the light of God to shine in our hearts, all those cockroaches have to leave. And sometimes we try to get rid of them other ways, but the best way is just turn on the light. And how do we do that? I want to get to that a little bit. Uh, I'd like for us to examine then now just what is in, what is in my heart. Um, we all know that uh, the last 12 months have been just especially trying and difficult for the global church. Everywhere, this, we've been affected by uh, the pandemic and you know everything it's and we some people say or we have a lot of things to say about it right but uh, we could say that it's been a time of panic a time of uh, fear a time of fury maybe hope not for us but and as Christians we have uh, we have strong views on the issues of our day and we have strong views about what we see coming at the church in, in prophetic ways. Uh, certainly, 
you know, we have strong views and we have a lot, of, there's been a great deal of passion. <laughs> there's been a great deal of passion, but, but is the light of Jesus shining? That's my question uh, for myself and for all of us. Uh, as they say, some discussions have generated more heat than light. Uh, it's okay to have our views. We, we will have our views about things. But as followers of Jesus, we don't have the option of showing disrespect to someone who doesn't agree with us. John, uh, in John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love. If you love one another. I remember uh, reading, I forget, or maybe I heard him say it, J.C. Winger, this takes me back quite a few, and uh, a former uh, Mennonite theologian of several generations ago, a writer and a man that I really respected, but he once said that it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. I like that. I'd like for you to just imagine for a little bit, uh, if you could, that this room is completely dark. Uh, and... We can't really pull that off right now, but just imagine, if you would, this room is completely dark, and someone lights just a little candle, like those little birthday cake candles. Where would your eyes be? Beyond that little candle, right? And it would, it would really shine. I mean, it, we'd, everybody would see it. We'd all see it. And I think about sometimes, like, sitting around a campfire at night, in a circle around the campfire, all eyes are on the fire, right? You don't look around in the darkness. Your eyes are on, you're just automatically drawn to the fire. I, in our culture that is growing increasingly dark, will make, only make that our little lights, was very small lights maybe we think, will shine all the brighter in this darkness. But how, do the, how does the world perceive us as Christians? Does my speech, does my rhetoric ref, reflect the light and love of Jesus? Sometimes I think our strong views can, can take us off track and we, we can lose sight of the most important thing. That is that Jesus died for the salvation of the entire world and he's coming back. And sometimes we forget that. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 18 says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, we're going to have strong views about things. I'm not going to try to change your mind about anything. Uh, but, well, maybe I will. But anyway, uh, we're going to have those strong views. Uh, but regardless of how strong you feel about something, what is, your, what is my attitude? Is the light of Jesus shining in me? The New Testament would teach that we are to live quiet and peaceful lives with all respect and godliness. And as far as possible, what lies within me to live at peace with all people and to conduct myself, ourselves, with gentleness. And for my part, I, I ask you forgiveness where I have not done this. I don't want to engage in the darkness, I'm only in the light. <clears throat> I don't want to worry about those things that arouse uh, evil passions. Instead, uh, I like this familiar scripture, uh, Philippians 4, verse 8. You can turn there if you like. 
that reads, and this is a test for, for us on the things that we think about. What do we think about or what do we talk about? And he says there, Apostle Paul, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, we can stop there a little bit. Sometimes we stop at the first one and we say, you know, whatever is true. Well, this is true. You know, what I heard is true. I, I know it's a fact. So I'm going to say it. Well, no, you need to keep on reading. It might be true, but is it noble? And is it right? Is it right for me to think about it? Is it right for me to say it? Think about there's a difference. Something can be true, but is it right to say it? Is it pure? Is it lovely? And he goes on, is it admirable? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. That's a test for us. Does my attitude pass, and the things I say pass that test always? Uh, Satan would, you know, Satan loves to discourage us with thoughts and ideas that, that depress us or cause doubt or make us worry. That, that comes from the evil one, those kind of thoughts. And, and Satan loves to cast doubt on my faith. He loves to make me doubt my salvation. Anyone struggle with that? You know. Do we ever think thoughts like, wow, am I good enough for God? Uh, am I really saved? If, if I start meditating on things like that, you know, depressing kind of discouraging uh, critical thoughts, maybe critical thoughts about myself even, if I, if I begin to meditate on things like that, I'm going to get depressed. Uh, and, and that's really, I need to recognize that for what that is. It's walking in darkness. That's where Satan wants us to be. But God wants us to be full of light. And I need to learn what it means to be always full of light. And I think I have enough to do the rest of my life to just keep me busy being full of light. How do we do that? And I believe it's a choice that each one of us makes. Too often when I'm confronted with a need in my life, I say things like, well, I just need to try a little harder and work a little harder at that problem in my life. <clears throat> Is that the way we do it? Is that the way we get rid of it? <laughs> I need to overcome this particular evil that, is, that I'm struggling with. Uh, no, that's not how it works. When you go into a room that's full of darkness, you turn on the light, and the darkness has to go away. <laughs> darkness has no choice but to leave. But how do we do that? And I believe it is by looking into God's Word, the light of God, light of Jesus through the Word of God. Psalm 119, uh, verse 130, 130 says, The entrance of your Word gives light to our souls. The unfolding of the Word of God gives light on everything. That's where, where the light comes on, by being in the Word of God. It makes everything clear, and it lightens our eyes. Psalm 119.105 says, 
Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. In Psalm 18:28, you, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. I like the songwriter who wrote this song, Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. The time is drawing nigh. I, can't un- I don't think I can overemphasize the role that regular Bible reading has uh, for us as, as believers. And I hope that every one of you has a regular time every day that you are taking to, to just open the Word of God and let it speak to you personally. That's where the light comes from. I love the, the scripture memory work that our children are doing here in this church. I think it's tremendous. And even beyond that, I would encourage parents to, to get your children into the Word of God. Just even from very young, just have, get them to open their Bibles and spend time with personal reading of God's Word. So that when throughout the day, throughout the day, I, I, I'd like to do my Bible reading in the morning, but uh, throughout the day then when I'm confronted with something that I know is evil, I, have, I can turn to Scripture. And I, can, I know the Scriptures that would apply to that particular situation. And I can come to victory through, through meditating on the Word of God and turning my eyes on Jesus. 2 Peter 1, verse 19 says, We have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. When you come to know Jesus in a personal way, it's like the light comes on and the morning star rises in your heart. So I'm going to close just with this by asking all of us again, am I walking today and tomorrow in the light of God? Am I following Jesus, the true light, the only one source of real life? Is Jesus reigning supreme in my life, in my heart? And I believe that if he is, our, our bodies, our hearts will be full of light in the darkness of the world can't enter where the light of Jesus is shining. And may he shine in my heart and in yours.